My pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show. Our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. Hopefully one of those decisions is to subscribe to our free newsletters at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com. You can see details if you go to Clark.com slash newsletters. And speaking of subscriptions, Netflix is having an awkward adolescence, although they just reported nice additions to their subscriber numbers after back-to-back quarters of declines. So they have now launched their ad-supported service or announced the launch of their ad-supported service. I'm going to talk about that and what's going on with the morphing of streaming services across the waterfront and how you protect your wallet with the changes that are underway. And also, two months left in the year. I want to know if you're an investor. I want you to know that you should know about tax loss harvesting. It's the upside of the downside of what's happened with the stock market this year. I want to tell you how it plays and how it could potentially save you a substantial amount on your taxes. So Netflix proves never say never because the Netflix CEO said they would never, 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 ever, kind of something like I would say, offer an ad-supported subscription service. Never ended now. So Netflix has been losing market share. You know, Netflix was really the creator of the whole idea of streaming subscriptions. Everybody else was trying to sell you pay-per-view. You wanted to watch an episode of this show? You paid them. You wanted to watch that? You paid them. You wanted to watch that movie? You paid them. And Netflix came up with the idea of just allowing you unlimited viewing for one flat monthly fee, and it revolutionized the industry. But what happens when you revolutionize an industry, even as first mover, your first mover advantage that you have becomes a had over time. And now Netflix faces a market share war with much bigger players. And everybody's trying to figure out how to stop losing money in this industry. So they're going to these tiers. And the tiers are where you pay different levels for ad-free, or you pay a much lower price for with commercials. I'm all about the with commercials. So Netflix is going to be $6.99. And the other thing Netflix is doing is they've tested it elsewhere in the world, is people are sharing their video subscriptions with friends, family, all around town, all around the country. And so they know from your IP address whether it's you watching from the address you've signed up for. So the party's over on that. And Netflix is going to have choices for you if you have people on your account that are not under your roof. And so it's all morphing. And services that are not strong enough in the marketplace are doing alliances with competitors, and you're going to be offered these packages. If you get this, you can get that. And then you're going to find ways to get streaming for free, like T-Mobile subscribers get Apple. Paramount. 
Yeah, Apple Paramount TV, too. Paramount Plus, I think. Okay, thank you, Krista. Netflix, like you said. Yeah, oh, they got Netflix, yeah. So this is in where, like, you sign up for different things completely unrelated to video streaming, and you might get free video streaming. And so we got all this stuff going on in the marketplace. And so just doing what you've been doing is not going to be a good idea. And I want to make a pledge to you. We devote a lot of staff resources to continually updating our streaming guide at Clark.com. And we are intensifying that to make sure that you have up-to-the-minute information as the streaming offers change, some improve, some get worse, and we'll make sure you know the free tie-ins. And so uh, you will also see a lot of sell-ups with this. Like T-Mobile to get the free Apple Plus, you have to be on their fancy-dancy calling plan as a T-Mobile subscriber. And you'll see this with various organizations that they get you into a more premium tier. And in turn for that, you get the ancillary benefits like that. Like I have a credit card that gives me free Walmart Plus. Then through Walmart Plus, I get free streaming from, I think, Paramount. Mm. And so these tie-ins that seem completely unrelated can really work well for you if you have your eyes and ears open and you know, oh, I don't need to be paying that bill. I already do this other thing and I can get it for free. Ready for questions? I am. Well, we'll see how ready I am when you ask them. Joseph in Michigan wrote in. He says, I have inherited coins and recently downloaded an app to establish what I have and approximate value. Now what, as I don't want to send them to a coin dealer and lose track of these coins. I do not see many coin shows these days either. Thanks for the assist. Okay, so coin shows are, I guess, somewhat quieter than they used to be. Usually the way you find them, you're in Michigan. There's big coin clubs in Michigan. You found yeah, something there's on the, this. If you go to michigancoinclub.org, they have a list of all the shows. Wow, there are a ton of there's them. There's so many. Okay, so wait a minute, and Joseph. And they have 2023 as well. Joseph, in the next few weeks, there's how many? Scroll down. Let's see how many there are. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. There's 16 in the next two and a half weeks that are available around the state of Michigan. And this would be true in state after state where there are just tons of shows. You're just not going to know as someone who inherited a collection, somebody who's really into coins, knows this. They follow the associations, the clubs, and that's how you do it. And I really, really love you've come up with approximate values. You go to a show, you're able to show dealer to dealer, and you want prices per coin, never for the collection. Hales in Colorado says, Hi Clark, I'm 32 years old and I've been a loyal listener for several years. Since the pandemic, I've been working side gigs to earn extra income on top of my day job. I'm intimidated by tax season and want to do things right ahead of time. I've recently opened separate checking and credit accounts. Don't worry, I pay off my credit cards weekly. And I wonder if you have recommendations for free or cheap bookkeeping software or apps. Since my endeavors are still relatively small, I don't currently have a business checking account, though I've heard that some come with categorization benefits and other perks. Should I just bite the bullet and upgrade to business accounts? Not at the side gig stage you're at now. It hasn't morphed into where it's a substantial side income. 
there are a few things you could do. You could do a um, phone consult with the CPA who does tax or an enrolled agent and talk through things with them and you pay them for the time. And you would hear a lot of very useful suggestions because they always wish that somebody with an emerging business would talk to them early instead of later saying, well, you know, if you would have talked to me last year, we could have done this, that, or the other. I think it's really useful because we don't know when we start a business what we don't know. Next thing, you can use Mint. You can use uh, Mint and also Quicken. They're both owned by the Intuit people. QuickBooks, yeah. QuickBooks, yeah, QuickBooks. It's M-I-N-T. M-I-N-T. My diction trips me up all the time. But the Intuit suite of products, they're really dominant in the field. And you could look at them as cheap or free options. Mint is free. M-I-N-T is free. You use QuickBooks, you're going to be paying for that. But you can see what they offer and see how it will help you. As for having a segregated separate checking account for your side gigs? Not yet. Wait till you got a point where more and more of your mind and money is involved in that. Then you start looking at it because business checking accounts are just a flat out hassle. Jose in Texas says, I received a notice of termination from my timeshare company. It's fully paid, but I haven't paid the annual dues for three years. I've been wanting to deed it back to the company since we haven't used it in over 10 years. Does this mean I'm off the hook? I would like to say, yes, Jose, never worry about it again. Everything's fine. You stand the risk, even if they now take the timeshare from you, that you might be um, hassled by a collection agency and your credit could potentially be affected by the unpaid dues for the last three years. Uh, Believe it or not, I know this is going to sound weird, even if that happens, but you've gotten out of a timeshare that stuck to you like glue and you're relieved of future years of timeshare uh, prison, you have liberated yourself potentially, and even if the cost turns out you have to pay or negotiate a payment amount of those three years, you're still long-term much better off. If you want to know how bad timeshares really are, here's a perfect, perfect headline from a Kiplinger article about timeshares. It's kind of snarky. Best way to exit your timeshare? Never buy one in the first place because they do stick to you like glue. They're almost impossible to get rid of. And any of these sites that say, hey, just pay us money and we're going to get you out of your timeshare, they are almost always 100% scams, if not ripoffs. So what's your chances of getting out? Your best chance is to sell to somebody who's trying to buy a timeshare discount, even if you have to give it to them. Because there are people out there who actually like timeshares and they love getting a deal on one. They're hard to find. And your timeshare, no matter what you paid for it, typical timeshare has a market value of less than zero. You might have to pay somebody to take over your week who's looking for a deal. The other thing is you may be able to pay the developer 
or promoter of the timeshare that you have a fee to let you out. Or if they are still actively selling and getting good money for weeks, they may be willing to take the week from you at no cost. They're always the best place to start with are the people you bought from and see if there's any chance that they will take that week back from you and let you go. Sebastian in Washington says, regarding tipping getting out of hand, last week I was shopping online for a t-shirt, one of those sites that have funny prints on them. After choosing a t-shirt and going through checkout, I was asked if I wanted to add a tip on an online purchase. This insanity has to stop. That's a new one. I've never heard of that one. Okay, so the t-shirt thing is so hip right now. And I'm so clueless. Do you know how often I'll see a message on somebody's t-shirt and I have no idea what it means? And if it's anything with popular culture, I have no idea what show or movie or whatever it is it's talking about. So thank goodness I'm not as clueless about money as I am about popular culture. We're going to talk about a strategy that is a potentially great money strategy to follow this fall, and it's called tax loss harvesting. And I'm going to explain something that I hope doesn't make your eyes glaze over. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So this has been for people who invest in the stock market. It's been a rough ride. And if this is the first bear market you've ever experienced in your life, know that this is normal. It is normal to have what are called corrections. It is frequent to have bear markets, not as often as a correction. A correction is generally defined as the market dropping 10% or more, bear market 20% or more. You know, stocks over time have truly a reasonable value. But in short time periods, stocks will overshoot to the top, overshoot to the bottom. People will get too excited, people will get too down, and so we go through these up and downs that are like waves. The good news with investing is that over the long haul, the trend is always up. Over shorter time periods, it can be really ugly timing, but ugly situations can have a silver lining, and one of them is that stocks, as I've said for years, were overvalued. And getting back to more reasonable values is what leads to the next run up. Second thing 
is that if you own stocks in an investment account, not a retirement account like a 401k, 403b, Roth of some kind, traditional of some kind, those are tax-sheltered accounts. If you own stocks in an investment account, you, when you sell a winner, you have to pay what are known as cap gains taxes. It's a more favorable tax rate, but it's still tax. Well, you can also harvest losses, what's known as tax loss harvesting. And it's a pretty simple thing. A lot of us, if we will not avert our eyes and look, and with most companies we invest in, they'll show what your current gain or loss is on a particular investment. And if you got something that's got pretty big embedded losses, you can sell it, get the tax benefit when you do your 22 taxes in 23, and you will benefit with a reduction in tax you would owe by having taken the tax loss. Also, if you have gains you've taken at some time in 22, you can offset the tax you would owe on those gains with what you have on the losses that you have now taken. Now, what do you do with the money? Well, there's something called the, the wash rule. You have to be careful. You can't buy the same exact thing for 31 days. So your money has to sit in money market for 31 days. Or you can buy something that is similar but not too similar and avoid the wash rule. For example, if you were with a big financial house, now the IRS will not let you out of saying you violated wash rule based on advice you got from some firm. You said, well, they told me at my broker that I was fined to buy this other thing. But usually they're not going to mess that up. So you could sell this and buy something else that's not quite this, but would be similar and avoid having the Fed say, no, you don't qualify for the loss because you were just trying to trick us. Or the easier way is just let your money sit in money market for 31 days and you buy back in at that point what you sold and you get the full tax benefit. Now, if I just explain something to the point that you were interested, but it kind of went in your brain, it was like that was way too confusing. If you just pull up tax loss harvesting as a search term, you will see very clear explanations. We also have at Clark.com 10 year-end strategies to cut your tax bill. And this is one of the things we have in it. We'll walk you through how tax loss harvesting works. Krista? Eddie in Florida says, I recently bought a home and have been getting an influx of mortgage protection insurance offers. Is this a good idea? And what are the factors that play into whether it should be considered or not? The quote was $333 annually for the coverage of the mortgage. Okay, so Eddie, this is banks being banks and being as unethical and dishonest as they possibly can be. They all try to sell you what they call croak and choke insurance or usually in the case of a bank, croak insurance. It is such a ripoff, it's unbelievable. Okay, so listen what you do. You buy an insurance policy on your life, and you name the bank as the beneficiary. 
wait, there's more. You're paying roughly 10 times market rates for the insurance coverage if you were to go out and buy a life insurance policy on your life and name a loved one or your estate as the beneficiary. So uh, this insurance is rotten terrible. The only time anybody would want to buy it is if they have pre-existing medical conditions that would not make them eligible to buy their own medically underwritten life insurance policy, and then you buy the, the insurance that's the rip-off premiums because at least your survivors won't have to worry about a mortgage on the home. But you don't want to ever make the purpose of insurance to pay off a mortgage. The reason is, is that a survivor, let's say it's a spouse or your kids or whatever it is, boyfriend, girlfriend, you don't want them to be straightjacketed by having no cash but owning the home free and clear. They may have much better ideas about what to use the proceeds of life insurance for that may be very different than paying off a mortgage. So simply the only person who should ever buy this is somebody who can't qualify for insurance otherwise. Kimberly in Florida says, I almost got taken to the bank on a new scam, Clark, but your advice saved me. I got an email supposedly from FedEx that they needed me to pay $2 for an unpaid shipping of a box. And then a picture of the said box was in it. Since I live in Fort Myers, where we've been devastated by Ian, I thought it makes sense to me. I use my credit union card. A week later, there was no package. I just looked like you repeatedly say through all my credit card accounts today for mistakes or odd charges. I found where the $2 was and a new $38 charge was added to my usually zero balance card from a gaming store. I immediately called my credit union, disputed the charges and closed the card for a new one. Thank you, Mr. Howard, for teaching me to review my cards and credit union balances daily. Darn these scammers. Well, it's fantastic you look at your statements. I'm sorry that a crook got in your wallet that way, but your credit union stood behind you. And please just call me Clark. Barbara in Michigan says, I know you don't believe in buying extended warranties, but what about for tires? I just bought a set of tires at a big chain. I had the option to purchase certificates for my tires, which will replace a tire for any reason. I opted out, but I have 30 days to change my mind. What do you think? So Barbara... This is really for people who live paycheck to paycheck and have no ready access to savings. The math says you're better off self-insuring. You know, tires are warranted for a lot of miles and the value devalues over time as you drive more miles that the warranty is prorated. And so you're paying for when you have to replace a tire that wears out prematurely you're having to pay for some part of the value. What the tire stores are all talking about is that they replace your tire for any reason. You know, things that would not be covered by the manufacturer's prorated warranty. And the only reason you'd buy that is if a tire died, it was your responsibility to pay for it. It didn't qualify under manufacturer's prorate. And you can't come up with the money that it would cost you to replace that tire because you have no savings. That's when you buy it. Otherwise, if you've got a good rainy day account, this is something you self-insure for. Tires, by the way, are so much more reliable than they used to be. 
that the number of tires that get destroyed by who knows what, for whatever reason, a much smaller percent than used to be. And isn't that great that we don't have to worry today about being stranded by the side of the road nearly as much as we used to. And I want to thank you so much for listening today. Know that we are here to serve you around the clock at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.